Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into another News for Jags podcast. I'm Jamal St. Cyr alongside Justin Barney. Justin, the Jaguars are 2-1, and one, man. Can you believe it? I can. I cannot. I, I saw a tweet by J.P. Shadrick um, earlier this week and just about Jacksonville, where they ranked and stuff and I in the league in certain category. And I had to say, is this real? Is this a real tweet? This is not a, a meme. This is not uh, fake. This is not uh, April Fool's. The Jacksonville Jaguars are – a top 10 team in the NFL, uh, the talk of the country um, in a good way. And that's right. not something that has been done often at all. Definitely has not. And it is definitely impressive that they're able to get it done and they've been getting it done. I mean, the way they're winning these games right now, you're like, is this the same team? It's unbelievable. The defense has been phenomenal. Uh, none of us picked them to win last week. No, we did not. Um, we picked them to win if Chase Daniel started. Well, Justin Herbert wound up starting, and the Jaguars put up 38 on them and mm-hmm. dominated uh, the Chargers and were the beneficiary of some uh, fortuitous injuries on the Chargers' behalf. But nonetheless, I still think Jacksonville wins that game uh, regardless of injuries or not, um, regardless of Justin Herbert was, was not full strength. Um, the Jaguars have just been in a zone. He made a few pl- throws that, like, he may not have been full strength, but he was well enough to win football yeah, games. I mean, I there agree. were a few throws where you saw it out there where at that point I said, you can't use the excuse of this dude's hurt. The touchdown pass that he had, the corner of the end zone, great play by, by Mike Williams, but it was an on-target throw. I thought uh, Tyson had good coverage, and um, Justin Herbert just put it where – his receiver could get it, and if Justin Herbert was not well enough to win a football game, he wouldn't have been out there. That's right. And he was well enough to win a football game in Jacksonville. Um, Getting the pressure that they bring, even if they're not getting sacks on every play, they are changing the play. There was a great play by Trayvon Walker as an example of that. Just absolutely bull rushed his tackle out of the way. The right tackle knocked him backwards, made Justin Herbert get out of the pocket. Again, not a sack but an uncomfortable situation for Justin Herbert. And that's what this defense has done so well. It's just made the other quarterback uncomfortable. If you're not getting the sack every time, you're harassing them into, the, into making bad decisions. I mean, Matt Ryan doesn't throw picks in a game if he's not uncomfortable. I mean, right. he, he's not getting sacked every play, but he is uncomfortable. And that's what this Jacksonville defense has gotten so good at is just harassing that offensive line, bullying them back, and making those quarterbacks – throw some passes that they're not comfortable throwing. Right. No, it's been it's a, it's amazing. I mean, this is the first 2 and one start for the Jaguars since 2018. So it's been a few years, mm-hmm. and this team looks really good. They look the part. They're doing all of the little things correctly at this point to win games. And at they're almost rewriting the narrative that a lot of people have around this team and have around this franchise one week at a time. I mean, they're, they're kind of street busters at this point. Last week, it was the first road win in a long time, mm-hmm. the first road win of Trevor Lawrence's career. Uh, the struggles on the West Coast, ah, that's not a problem. You know, uh, 
And then the, the struggles, uh, luckily they had a streak on their side for the Colts game. But this week against the Eagles, it's the losing streak against the NFC mm-hmm. that's been going on for a while. So a win this week would bust another streak for this team if they, could, if they can get the job done. If they can, and I, I'm not going to pick against them this week, even though uh, statistically and the odds are not uh, in their favor. I think they, were, they began the week as a seven-point underdog. Uh, but again... Jack, this Jaguars team, we've said it, we've seen it throughout the preseason, throughout training camp. It just felt different. Couldn't see it in week one because they did not close, and you had those questions of, as Jack, same old Jaguars team, they don't know how to finish, can't close a game, doesn't matter, new coaching staff. But the last two weeks, and I know you can't base your whole season on two weeks, but the performance, how they have played, the 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 finality they've shown in these games, the ability to just slam the door shut like they've not been able to do in the past, and just what the coaching staff has brought. They're walking with swagger. They believe they can win. They talked it, and we heard about it throughout camp, but to actually go out and do that, to, to, to slam the foot down on the neck and choke the other team out, that killer instinct, they've just not had that, and they've got that now, and they feel that. They believe it. So I think they can go up to Philly and, and keep that going. It's a very interesting team because, you know, they lost that game in week one, but when they went in the locker room at halftime, it's like a switch must have flipped. Because short in that second half, even up there in D.C. for against the Commanders, short of those couple of plays, the Terry McLaurin and the Dotson touchdown, those two Mm -hmm. touchdowns which ended up costing them the games, the Jaguars ultimately, the majority of the second half, outplayed the Commanders. Controlled that game. Controlled it. Were able to take the lead. Felt good to the point where we thought they were walking out of there 1-0, but those two big plays all of a sudden changed that game. The Commanders escape with the win. But then week two, they go out and from from the, the beginning of the game, control the Colts, point blank period. They go out to L.A., take on the Chargers. From the beginning of the game, point blank period, and close the door, just control it. It's it's like a switch almost flipped. And those two plays in in D.C. are seeming more and more flukish. And if I'm not mistaken, based on next-gen stats, that Terry McLaurin play was, uh, at least before week three, was one of the most unlikely completions of the season. It was one of the top uh, like unlikely or, or remarkable classes or whatever, however they, they terminize that. So, I mean, while Shaq was beat and Cisco, there was communication errors there. Regardless, it was a touchdown and a great throw. Ultimately, it's like those two plays lost them that game, and they mm-hmm. haven't had mistakes like that since. You're right. So it's like they learned their lesson. Okay, this and, is who we need to be. This is how we can do it. And Doug, to give Doug Peterson credit, because he has said, uh, he said the Monday after that Commanders game, he came out and he addressed those things. He said there were some breakdowns. There was com- communication issues. We showed the guys on film what those mistakes were. Those aren't going to happen again. And lo and behold... They have not had those type of lapses that hurt them in week one repeatedly in weeks two and three. I mean, they, you know, how many times you hear coaches say that and the same thing happens. You see it time and again. But Jacksonville, to its credit, has not let those issues that manifested themselves in week one pop back up in weeks two and three. And again, you attribute that to coaching. I do believe that Doug Peterson, just the vibe around this team, feels different, looks different, seems different, just seems so much different this year than it did last year. It's a tribute to the job that Doug Peterson is doing at this point because when you look at it, um, you ultimately say that 
he's just been impressive. Like, we're seeing Trevor Lawrence mature right before our eyes and the job that he's being able to do right in front of us, week to week, almost growing. It, it just says, just how bad was Urban last year <laughs> that, that he was able to, to put this guy in that bad of a situation where there was just that much turmoil around him and dysfunction that he looked that bad. You, I mean, you came to this point and Doug Peterson and Press Taylor are talking about teaching him professional habits, teaching him how to study during the week, step by step. And week one, there were some struggles to the point where everyone was questioning based on last season, what we started seeing mm -hmm. this season. And then, but you saw progress from compared to what you had seen a year ago. The question was, was that enough? And he's taking leaps and bounds week in and week out. He took a small step against Indianapolis and then took a huger step against the, the, against the Chargers. It's like, just how bad was Urban to make this guy look like this? And then three weeks into the year, we're looking at him like, all right, we see it. It's he all was, coming together. He was terrible. He was I awful. think He was terrible. And, um, again, I think that goes back, Trevor's growth goes back to another something that Doug Peterson said, the offensive line. You've got, to, you've got to credit Trevor and his success to that offensive line. They're giving him time to throw, and that was one of my biggest complaints in week one for this team was this is the same thing we saw last year with Trevor. You've got to give him time to throw. He cannot throw if he's being hurried all that time, if he's being rushed all that time. And I think Jacksonville, to its credit, to its coaching staff's credit, said, hey, let's, let's do something to get the ball out of Trevor's hands quicker. Let's run this offense a little bit quicker. And I think you saw that confidence grow with the Jags. The offensive line has been phenomenal the last two games. No sacks in back-to-back -back games. Trevor's seldom been rushed, and I think it's he's getting the ball out quicker. I think the plays are called faster. Um, and, again, an issue that we saw in week one, the offensive line. I, I was not convinced that this offensive line was going to be anything improved since last year. And these last two weeks, they have looked phenomenal. Man. And, that, again, I think that goes to coaching and – getting the guys to believe in themselves, making those corrections after week one. And Doug Peterson and staff, he lo looked like freaking wizards out there. I mean, I think some of the offensive line stuff is coaching for sure. I mean, Cam Robinson healthy. He played through an injury last year, so that probably helps mm -hmm. some. Uh, you, you have Ben Barch another year in the system. He's getting accustomed, and so that, that helps. I mean, we knew when they drafted Ben Barch back – from Division he was Three, a project. it was a project. It right. was going to take time. Yes. Um, so the more reps he gets, the more comfortable he gets, the better of a player he can become. It was always going to take time with him. I mean, he, if, I'm, if I'm remembering his draft profile correctly, he was a left tackle at a Division Three school. At, actually, I know it was St. John's because it was like, oh, you're going from St. John's to St. John's County, you know? Yes. Um, and then you, you bring in Luke Fortner, who – had played at a high level at center, but I think there's so many dividends that are being played by Brandon Sheriff right now. Yes. Um, you know, we talked to Jawan Taylor last week at toward the end of the week, or no, maybe it was this week. This week, yeah. We talked to Jawan Taylor this week, and I asked him about, you know, what's it like playing next to Brandon Sheriff, and he just lit up. You know, all of a sudden he's like, man, you know, it, just the, the experience that he brings, the way he's able to help everybody in that room, and, you know, just the tips that you can get from a guy who, who's played at the level that he's played. I mean, I really think we're seeing dividends from some of these free agent additions that they've brought in because, you know, they talked about 
Brandon Sheriff being a culture setter from day one. That's mm -hmm. what they called him when they said when they made the signing. Why they said they wanted to get this guy. And then you ask his teammate about him, and all of a sudden, like Jawan Taylor's like, man, let me tell you, you know, uh, this guy's great. Mm -hmm. And it's those sorts of players that they've tried to put in each different room that are really helping this thing come together. And look at Jawan Taylor this year. Jawan's he, playing he, out of his mind. He was a turnstile last year, and this year he's been phenomenal. I, just very impressed by the tackles. Uh, we've said time and again, you know, Cam Robinson's kind of just a guy, average tackle. He's played well. Uh, Brandon Sheriff, I mean, playing next to a, a rookie center. Um, I, it, it has been unbelievable just how well these guys have played. Yeah, you know, it's, a, it's definitely a big thing for them to be able to play at the level that they're playing. The offensive line has been impressive, and that's what's allowing the offense to do some of the things they're able to do. I mean, James Robinson, a phenomenal back and off to a great start to the season, but he's not able to do that without, uh, without that offensive line opening those holes for him. A good play last week to, to speak about that offensive line, the fourth and one call last week where Brandon Sheriff kicked out and was able to, to kind of pave the way for James Robinson, seal off that edge, not only led to a, a, a first down, but a touchdown on a 50-yard run. You don't make that call last year. No. I don't think you have that confidence if you're um, Daryl Bevel, Urban Meyer, to make that call last year, which just shows how, how disheveled and how out of touch that coaching staff was. Well, they when didn't you look have the at, confidence to make a quarterback sneak yeah, call either. It, when you look at Doug Peterson, the offense that he has run, Again, there's confidence. There's, you know, the, the going forward on fourth downs. I mean, the conversions on third and way long. It, it's, it's a competent coaching staff, and it has made all the difference. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, AFC Offensive Player of the Week, first time the Jaguars have had that honor since 2010, since which is, 2010. again, shows you how bad and how downtrodden this franchise has been and what Doug Peterson and, and the staff have done. I mean, I, if I'm being honest, if Mike Caldwell continues running the defense at this pace, he's, he's not going to be here next year. I mean, he is he has done wonders with this defense, and we knew the defense was going to be good. The, the pieces added to the draft and free agency, you beefed up that, that uh, side of the ball, and that's paying dividends quick. But Mike Caldwell, credit to him. First-time coordinator, and this defense looks this good. I'm starting to think he's gone. Yeah. <laughs> if this defense keeps pitching games like they've been pitching, I'm starting to fundamentally believe he'll get his shot mm -hmm. very quickly. I know going into the year, a lot of us felt like it was going to be Press Taylor that mm -hmm. would uh, be getting those interviews. But with the way the defense is playing, I really think, Mike, it, it would surprise me that if this defense doesn't fall apart, fall apart and they finish in the top 10, top 15 in the league, mm -hmm. ultimately – He's going to get interviewed. Yeah, he. I mean, is he, he a, is he a Mike Tomlin kind of guy right. who you know was was green and got a surprise interview with the Steelers? I mean, Mike Mike Tomlin was not an experienced right. coordinator when he got that Steelers job. I mean, could Mike Caldwell see that same kind of? It's uh, I mean, he's been you, in the league for a long time yeah. as a linebacker coach, former player. So it's not like he hasn't gone round for round in this thing. Mm -hmm. This is just his first shot at calling plays, and he's doing great. He's done you know? well. <laughs> So, he has done well, and that's uh, not too often you see a Jaguars coordinator uh, have this type of success. And, I mean, again, we're three weeks into the season, so things uh, could, could definitely change. But Mike Caldwell, you've got to like where he is at in his development as a coordinator. Right. Again, one bad week. One bad week. And really that was a bad half of football. 
uh, with two bad plays in the second half. And I've been very impressed with uh, how many rookies are starting, how many first-time starters for this Jaguars defense um, have made their impact in there. So could not be more impressed with Mike Caldwell. All right, one more thing on, the, on this coaching staff. How many times last year were, did we get on this podcast and constantly have to say, what were they thinking with the personnel decisions in, in this third down situation on offense or this third down situation on defense? How many times have you felt like that this I, season? I can't even, it, can't even tell you. Exactly, and that, that just goes to a credit. Like, I mean, in crucial plays last year, it was Carlos Hyde taking the handoff. Mm-hmm. How, I, and that one's just seared into my memory because it happened so many times. And there was the same thing on defense. It's a, a crucial third down, and then they drop Josh Allen into coverage. And I was a Joe Cullen supporter, but that makes no sense to drop your best pass rusher when you know you only have one true threat as a pass rusher like that. You drafted well. You added the right pieces to Trent, Trent Balky's credit, added the right Man. pieces in free agency. And I, I thought they probably overemphasized defense a little bit too much in the draft. But through, I mean, I love the Devin Lloyd pick. I like that better than Trayvon Walker. Uh, questions on the Chad Muma pick, but I thought they maybe over-addressed defense. But, man, Trayvon Walker has looked the part. Devin Lloyd's got two picks, been the highest-graded rookie linebacker two of three weeks. Um, so, again, they know what they're doing. The defense <laughs> is clearly coming together. Um, the offense could probably, you're probably right, There's a little, but there's depth issues on every team and all over this team. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if you they didn't draft Chad Muma there, we'd be saying, oh well, if, if Lloyd gets hurt, you know who's backing them up. Yeah. Um. So it, it it'd be the same conversation regardless. So, um. You know, I would. It, while that pick was a luxury pick, as we've talked about in depth before, ultimately, you know, if they pick a wide receiver there, how much more comfortable do we feel about the offensive depth? Mm-hmm. It. I don't. I don't yeah. think it. Yeah, now, maybe they could have landed a starter or, at, or some offensive line depth or something like that. Then we can talk. But I don't know. Ultimately, I think Trent Baalke has done a phenomenal job. For as many people What'd as you he say? was calling. What did you say? Trent <laughs> Baalke has done a phenomenal job. Do we need job. to go back and check? Is this Jamal we're talking about? Oh, man, yeah. Trent Baalke, yes. For I... as many people as have been calling for his job, coming after him, the clown outs. I, I mean, you can't deny what he's done. And I think last year, you know, he really got – he got made to look like like this bad general manager because he brought in these players. He brought in Shaquille Griffin. He brought in Rayshon Jenkins. He brought in Roy Robertson-Harris. And it just looked like it didn't fit. Mm-hmm. Like there was no vision. And it, apparently it wasn't him. It was them because now you're seeing the pieces put together the way he kind of envisions them. And it's all working. So it's like, okay, well, he was getting talent. Like, there's no denying. I know some people kind of question if Shaq's overpaid. I think Shaquille Griffin is a, is a great leader for what this team needs and is a solid cornerback on the field. And at the time, he was the best corner on the market. So what did Trent Baalke go do? He went and got him. Mm-hmm. And I mean, so I can't, I can't knock that. Rayshon Jenkins, making plays for this defense now, at the time was the best safety or one of the best safeties on the market. Went and got him and brought him in. And again, good locker room guy. He's turned over this locker room in two years. Well, Dave called out Dave Caldwell and Doug Marone started. Start, started yes. the process. But in three years they've they've managed to turn over this locker room and Trent Balky has done the bulk of the work, making sure that he brought in leaders at every step and turn. He's paying people that he knows that this money isn't going to change who they are. Mm-hmm. 
Um, because right now he understood, I, I think he understood that he couldn't afford to pay the wrong guy. Because if you pay a guy who then changes who he is after he gets the check, I'm not going to point any fingers, but some of the guys that the Jaguars have paid in the past and just recently got out of here, then, then all of a sudden now you're set back. Because now you got to figure out, okay, well, do I keep him here? Because now I know he's not the guy I paid. Or how can I convince someone else to take on this contract? Which is always tough because they're like, well, why don't you want the contract? Mm -hmm. So, Balky's done a phenomenal job. I mean, now given he did have two number one overall picks, but... So Trevor and did Lawrence spend the no most money of any team ever in free agency this year, but hey, 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 that hey. has actually looked looked okay. But when when you're when you're as bad as the Jaguars are, yes, yes. regardless of you know, it, it's tough to attract free agents without money being involved. Like the Patriots can attract people because Bill Belichick trusts you know you, you'll trust the Patriot way. You, you know, Tampa Bay can attract people because they're like ah Tom Brady's throwing the ball. We, we can go in the playoffs. I got mm -hmm. a shot. Baltimore has that culture of you expect them to have a, a shot to make it to the playoffs and go. The Bills are looking like a team that Cavs, you know, that could attract people. If you're a, a veteran player in the NFL and you have the opportunity to go to Jacksonville or I don't know an, another team, and you're looking at it and the money's the same, if if everything's the same but the two teams. Yeah, who are you leaning towards? Your, right. your agent's probably telling you, like, hey, man, you got a shot to go at the playoffs over here. You know Jack, you know Jacksonville, what they've been. Mm -hmm. So it, so you got to overpay a little bit to get those guys in. And that's the one thing why, you know, bringing in a, a Brandon Sheriff or bringing in a Shaquille Griffin or bringing in even a Roy Robertson Harris, a Arden Key, all these guys that are, are positive influence in this locker room, and putting this whole thing together and bringing hungry players like Foye Luikin, it, it's important because, yeah, you got you're having to overpay a little a little bit for some of these guys because the pro even if you overpay if you overpay and get very little return on that investment, that's one thing, and mm -hmm. that that's how Jacksonville has had to do it in the past where you right. overpaid and struggled to get something out of those guys you overpaid. But this year, for as much as they dropped in free agency, it's all it's always. You know, the good teams are not winning. You know, the good teams are the ones that are dominating, not dominating free agency because right. you already they got the roster well, set up. They're, they're the the bad guys. teams, like the Jaguars have been, yes. are the ones that are cherry-picking a free agency because, again, you've got a lot of money to spend probably and you've not <laughs> been very good. Those <laughs> roster spots are turning yeah. over. But the, the thing with Jacksonville is they brought in a ton of guys in free agency. As mm -hmm. I mentioned, spent more than any other team in NFL history in the free agency signing period and have had those guys that they signed pay off. So and in far. the past, they have not had that luxury. They've overspent and mm -hmm. got very little production out of it. This year, they overspent and they getting a hell of a lot of production out right. of it from guys. I mean, you think of the guys, those main ticket free agent guys so far. Who is the least you've gotten out of? Darius Williams? He's been. And he's a starter all three games. He's a been starter. Playing the nickel and playing well. And I but mean, he, I, would you agree that he's been the least impactful of their big ticket free agency guys? I'd ha I, it, it would have to be him because I mean Foyer's been 100% phenomenally yes. impactful. I mean he manages that defense. Uh, Foley, Fatukasi. I mean, it, it would have to be between Foley and Darius, and that's not a knock on either one of yeah, them because they're both starters they both playing been, roles. They've both been – but I thought I, – I think Foley has played very well on the defensive line. 
Maybe Evan Ingram. He maybe yeah, he, he he's not a ton, but he's his impact is felt in other ways. He's been a, a good run blocker, but ultimately, I mean, the thing is like, and I wasn't here for a lot of them, but I've heard different things from folks about some of the guys that they've brought in for these big contracts before. Ultimately, if if Foyer all all of a sudden dropped out of the lineup or had an injury and was sidelined. You know he's still going to bring his leadership to this team. Mm-hmm. If Shaquille Griffin, all of a sudden his play falls off a cliff and you're not sure what you want, he's still going to be a leader in that locker room and bring and try and help you set the culture of where yep. you want to be. The same thing with Foley. The same thing with Christian Kirk. All of these guys are good guys off the field, and are are, are leaders in the in the locker room and in the meeting room. So if Something happens, all of a sudden, now you've just, okay, well, he, we've got an extra assistant coach, mm-hmm. quote-unquote. But, you know, so, like, while in the past, you'd give this guy this big contract, and then you get him here, and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, Julius Thomas, Jacksonville yeah. had a glaring, a black hole, still had, a, even entering this year, black hole at tight end. Mm-hmm. Nobody, Julius Thomas was paid like a superstar. He gets here, and he's just bad attitude, not performing. Sloughs off, and they give him away at the end. Right. And you know, you've had those situations more often than not with Jacksonville. Um, it, it overpaid or spent up to market value on a big ticket free agent who was underwhelmed, and they've just given away for nothing. And this year, with this free agent class, I have been exceptionally impressed with the depth across the board of how many of these guys were signed in the offseason. You expect them to come in and perform, but historically. Jacksonville's luck with free agents, bad. But everybody has come and played. Again, when you're talking about the worst free agent signing and you're talking about a Darius Williams and a Foley Fatakasi, again, those guys are starting every game. And that just, to me, goes to show you how well Jacksonville has navigated this free agency period. Mm -hmm. Christian Kirk, we both thought Jacksonville grossly overpaid for him, and he has been worth every penny. Um, Zay Jones has been worth every penny. Brandon Sheriff has been a tone setter on the, the line, worth every penny. And I, I've just been so impressed with their ability to hit on each of the guys they signed. They've hit to the point where people are already wondering how they're going to keep some of the people on one-year contracts. Because, I mean, Jawan Taylor's playing lights out right now, one-year contract, or still only has one year left mm-hmm. on his deals, so he'll be getting a new contract somehow or some way. Uh, but, I mean, Evan Ingram, has looked like a great player. He's shown things. I mean, he the drops that the Giants fans have, mm-hmm. have complained about for years, I haven't seen them. I know it's three weeks into the season. I might be jinxing them, but it's not happening here. Um, and Arden Key, both of those guys, one-year contracts, look great. Mm-hmm. And both of them look like they're probably going to get more money on the open market than what they got to come to Jacksonville. Yep. So you, they did a good enough job of bringing in people that you're already starting to like run the numbers. Like, well, how can they keep all these guys? And that, that's always a good problem to have. That's a good problem to have. Very <laughs> like, good like, problem to have. Like, when was the last time this team had that problem? Got to be like 18, 19, yeah. mean, maybe. You know, so good, good problems to have. All right, this week they're taking on the Eagles. This is the, the return for Doug Peterson. You know, he said he has never visited his statue that's crazy. He has never been like I would. I don't expect him to go visit the statue, but I thought he would have been there on like a dedication, <laughs> like when they unveiled the thing or something. Apparently, never been there. It will be interesting to see him go back. I mean, again, it's a city that he has an affinity for. He won him a Super Bowl. Um, he did interesting enough say this week that he thinks Jacksonville 
is further along right now in the process as a team mm -hmm. than his team in 2016 was with the Eagles. That was his first year with the Eagles, and we know what happened the following year. Right. So, you know, for Jaguars fans to hear that, you know, Super Bowl winning coach comparing his Super Bowl team to this current team now, and they're far more advanced um, than they are. So I think he subtly told us that along the way, and I just – he never wanted to get himself ahead of the of the wagon. Again, I mean, we talked about it like uh, follow his actions. I mean, minicamp, he gave the guys off. You know, at the end of OTAs, he really lightened the load. That, those aren't things you do with a team that you're like, oh, man, they need a lot of work. I mean, could have had an extra week in training camp. We've talked about this before. Didn't use it. Mm -hmm. He felt good about where this roster was and liked what he had seen from guys, and his actions told us that. I wonder by, if Doug... reining back on some of those things. And I think he wanted to openly not set that bar too high and even maybe consciously for himself not set the expectations too high because you just never know till the games start. But... He was seeing things from these guys enough that he felt, oh, well, they don't need that extra week of work. Oh, well, we can cut here to make sure that the guys are fresh. So his actions were telling us he felt pretty good. Yeah, about I, and I wonder if he kind of got into this situation and heard the Urban Meyer carnage and how bad it was and saw the framework of the team and said, this is a pretty darn good skeleton that I've got to work with. And how did this moron mess things up so bad that he lost his job 13 weeks into the season? Um, I think he looked at the, the bones of the, the franchise and the roster and said, this is a pretty good unit here. And he saw those, that progress in training camp and, and what you've done and added to the, the draft picks and stuff to the team. He probably, he probably thought, how bad did Urban Meyer mess this franchise up? He had to be. Yeah. And, I mean, like I said, his actions have shown us these things. I mean, he does, the, the players do talk that they practice hard during the year. They said that the, their Wednesday practices are probably some of the hardest practices that a lot of them have had. Or and, uh, the guys that have been here in Jacksonville said that those Wednesday practices are the hardest ones they've experienced and they've been through. Mm -hmm. what, some of the guys have been through two, three coaching staffs at this point. So uh, Doug works those guys hard, but I think his actions of cutting a few things out during the offseason in the lead up to the year kind of told us, told us more of the story than we were ready to openly see right. at the time, you know, because a, co a, a coach isn't going to do that if he doesn't feel good about the roster. I don't care at what level it is. If it's in high school and you feel like, oh, I got a state championship level roster, maybe you do start practice a, a, a week later. But if you feel like you only going to win two games, oh, we're practicing <laughs> that week. And, and that's, that's at every level because, you know, all right, well, maybe that extra week could get us an extra game here yeah. or something. And he didn't feel like that. And now we're seeing kind of the fruits of that. And last week was kind of that measuring stick kind of game. And they go out there and dominate the Chargers. Now, this is a tough game uh, against the Eagles, but it, they're one of the two undefeated teams left in the league. So very good team. Going to be a real test for this defense and an emotional test for kind of Doug Peterson and some of this coaching staff going back into Philly. What but, worries me about the matchup is Jalen Hurts. Yes. He's mobile. You know, you faced First one. you faced three guys who were pocket guys or who are not great outside of the pocket. The mobile quarterback aspect. Maybe Justin Herbert can move a little bit, but didn't see that last week. Um, so that worries me a little bit. You know, Jacksonville does have athletic linebackers. You know, Trayvon and, and Josh Allen on the edge. You've got Devin Lloyd. So you've got those quick guys to kind of spy like Jalen Hurts. But once that quarterback starts moving out of the pocket and things break down, can make things happen with his feet, that's what scares me in this matchup. Can those defense guys, how are they going to, 
how are they going to adjust to a quick athletic mobile quarterback who can beat you for 100 yards on his on his ground on the on his feet and that's going to be a challenge for them i mean legitimately and you know i talked i asked some of the defensive guys today art and key said you know this is the first time that that this season that they've pay, played a, a running quarterback who's more tends to be more impactful than their running back mm-hmm. um you know a couple of weeks ago i asked trayvon walker i said what kind of quarterback do you prefer he said i like a i like a, a quarterback that'll run a little bit so that way i gotta track him down so you know some of these guys are licking their chops a little bit saying all right i like uh, looking forward to the, the the challenge of going against this mobile kind of quarterback um rayshon jenkins kind of talked about the challenges that a mobile quarterback can present to a defense, especially like in the red zone, because Jalen Hurts takes a lot of plays in for touchdowns on his own mm-hmm. when they're in short yardage. And, you know, Rayshon said that's going to put a lot of pressure on the safeties because those are kind of those extra players in the defense. So him and Cisco are going to have to kind of, while they got to play passing lanes, got to keep an eye on this guy and on when they got to come down and help. So he does pose a threat because he's not – one of these quarterbacks that just runs. I mean, especially once they get in the red zone, that dude ain't running the slide. Mm-hmm. He, he's trying to get in the end zone. And he, I mean, he does it week in and week out where he, he, he's going to drop a shoulder. <laughs> so that's the, that's what worries me about this matchup is how will Jacksonville adjust to that when yeah. they've had. And he's been it, cooking this year too. He I mean, has. He's got some receivers. Yes. So uh, Devontae Smith scares me out there. I mean, they've got some. They've got some talent out there, and this is going to be Jacksonville's first test. Right. You're not meeting a banged-up team like we've seen the last few weeks. You know, Washington was banged up. Um, I mean, the Colts were banged up. San Diego ended up losing guys. Um, so, excuse me, Los Angeles ended up losing guys. So, this will be a, a healthy Eagles team with playmakers at quarterback, a couple at receiver. So, how will Jacksonville handle this? This is a big game. Um uh, certainly their biggest of the season so far. I fully expect that that while the Jaguars' defense may force a couple turnovers and play a good game, the Eagles are going to get their points. Yes. I, I fully expect that regardless of game flow or how well the Jaguars' defense plays, they may force two turnovers, the Eagles are going to be knocking on the door at 30 points. That's just how, how this offense has been this mm-hmm. year. I mean, A.J. Brown is a man on a mission. Dallas Goddard is a load in and of himself. Um, Devontae Smith almost gets forgot about as the third option mm-hmm. in this offense. So th- this offense is going to score. Um, this isn't going to be a shutout week. If they held the if they held the Eagles to ten points, that would that would be the third week in a row that I feel like the defense kind of outdid themselves from the week prior. But I fully expect this this Eagles team to score to knock on the door at thirty. Points. It's it's like a poor man's Chiefs kind of offense, yeah. you know. If you're going to win a game, I mean, the 13-10 games involving the Chiefs are very few and far in between, so that's going to be an Eagles kind of offense where you know you're going to put up those points. You're not going to win a 13-10 game. No. If you win a game, it's going to be a 30-27 to kind of shootout type of game. Right, and and that's where the Jaguars' offense really has their work cut out for them because they're they're going. To, this is going to be a shootout. This is going to be a battle and a duel, and this is going to be Trevor Lawrence going to have to go into enemy territory and pull it off. And... In all likelihood, he's going to have to do it without his number one wide receiver because Darius Slay has been just on one this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from Brunswick, Georgia, from, yep. from our from our area a little bit. But I mean, he neutralized Justin Jefferson just a couple of weeks ago, and Jefferson had had a huge week mm-hmm. in week one. And so they've been using Darius Slay to kind of shadow the other team's top receiver so far this year, and very likely going to see him hanging out watching Christian Kirk this week. That's what that's 
hey, but these are games I'm sure Christian Kirk says, hey, in the past, he says, I want to go out there against that man coverage. I want to beat these right. defenses. So that's an invitation to Christian Kirk to say, hey, this guy's number one, one of the number one corners in the league. Let's, let, me go, let me go cook this guy and, and see what's going to happen. Don't know if that happens, but that opens up something for Zay Jones. We saw him lead the team in receiving last week. Uh, kind of a, a breakout game for Zay. So can he ascend to that number one goal, number one role if you neutralize Christian Kirk, if he doesn't have that big game? Yeah, they're going to need someone to step up. I mean, we saw, like you said, Zay stepped up last week, had a big game. Uh, Marvin Jones caught a touchdown, so him, at maybe Evan Ingram's the guy. But very likely if Slay is able to, to ride Christian Kirk or follow him the whole day, it's going to make it tough sledding for him. Um, now, Kirk did say he trusted the – Doug Peterson and the guys to be able to move him around mm-hmm. and try and scheme him open. And we've seen him in the backfield um, this which, year, too. Which, so. which is some of the things that we've seen this right. year. The question is just how committed will the Eagles be to shadowing him with with Darius Slay? Has he earned that sort of attention at this point, or will they be willing to let Slay you know, guard a Marvin Jones and, and pass Kirk off to someone else? We'll have to wait and see. I mean, the, the Eagles aren't going to give quite that much of their game plan away. But regardless, this offense is going to have their work cut out for them. Uh, one thing that could help is if James Robinson keeps running the way James Robinson has been running because obviously a good running game keeps the ball out of Jalen Hurts' hands. Yes, and that's what you want to do. And, again, I think my biggest concern with this game is Jalen Hurts, what issues he brings to the to a team trying to, to stop a mobile quarterback. This is mm-hmm. a Lamar Jackson kind of game where you've got to account for that 80 to 100 rushing yards from a quarterback. And that is a, I can't imagine what's going on, the discussions and the game planning uh, over at TIA Bank Field this week about how to slow him down. But I'm sure Mike Caldwell has been up late thinking about that. Uh, without a doubt. <laughs> and it, this is going to be a tough week. Um, I know you said you weren't going to pick against them, so let's, I guess let's go ahead and pick the game. Justin, do you think they can go into Philly and, and escape with a win? It, my heart says no, uh, <laughs> that, they, that they can't do that. But I picked against them last week, and they made me uh, eat my words. They went 38-10 last week. I will say 31-27 this week over the Eagles in a huge upset. Over the Eagles. All right. Um, I'm not quite there yet. All right. Um, I, I think this this – Philadelphia team, I'm going to give them the edge. The home team in Philly going to be an emotional environment with Doug Peterson going back. I have the Eagles getting a late touchdown to lift them over the Jaguars 28-21. Okay, is, all right. So 31-27 me uh, for for the Jaguars and a colossal upset. And 28-21 you, right? Yeah, I, I would be pleasantly surprised if they walk out of there with a win. I just... I think this Eagles offense is just clicking right now. Their defense, I mean, their pass rush was was fierce last week, so uh, the Jaguars offense is going to have to control that. It's going to be tough. Uh, I do think Doug Peterson is going to bring his best game plan of the year for this one. Whether He, he won't say it publicly. The guys in the locker room, some of them kind of know and have said, something, said that they want to kind of get a win for Doug, but for the most part, they want it to be business as usual, but this game means more. Let's be serious. That You won a Super Bowl, they fired you, you have a statue outside the stadium. <laughs> uh, let's be serious. Doug wants to get a W in Philly. <laughs> of course. I mean, so, you, you want to win there. Come on. That's. Uh, I think even though he would never say it, this game means 
maybe more than any other on the schedule to him. You got, it's got to. It's got to. I mean, so and so it wouldn't surprise me if he if he just goes out there and they come out on fire with like with a game plan like we've never seen. I don't know. They had the Wildcat with with Etn on a on one play last week. Who knows? Maybe maybe he's got something like that in his pocket where you know they come out and and surprise everybody. That wouldn't surprise me, but. I, I, I'm not at the point where I'm that confident okay. in the team. I'm not either, I but pick. I picked them to win. I picked the, the blowout. Uh, I did not pick a blowout last week, and they looked phenomenal. So yeah. if you win on the West Coast where historically you never win, hey, I'll stick with them to win in Philly. All right, we'll see if they can get the job done. Thanks for tuning in for the News for Jags podcast, and we'll see you next time.